Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Have you ever had to wait a really long time for something? Like, for example, maybe it's the middle of the night, you haven't eaten anything for two days, and the stew that you managed to scrounge up is taking forever to cook. Or maybe you, you headed into the market because you wanted to refill your supply of lentils at home. Or maybe you were after a new piece of fabric to fashion yourself a tunic. But you get to the market and all of the shopkeepers there are out of stock. Apparently, the camels got delayed by a sandstorm. So now you're going to have to wait at least another week for all of those deliveries to come on in. Imagine, imagine there was a plague of some sort, a plague that brought on illness and disease and death, making it unsafe to even leave your house. Imagine the anguish and the disruption and the chaos that that plague might cause. Oh, imagine having to wait two years even more for that plague to come to an end. Whew, yikes. Or maybe, maybe you're like me, and you've had to wait for something for so long, you lost hope that it would ever come. You know, I think that it's understandable that after 400 years of waiting for a promise to be fulfilled, I began to doubt if it would ever come. But it did. Two nights ago, in the middle of the night, no one was expecting it, it arrived. Before I tell you more though, let me introduce myself to you. I am one of Bethlehem's temple shepherds. Now I know what you're thinking. Girls aren't supposed to be shepherds. Well, you know what else? Unwed virgins are not supposed to have babies. So I think me being a shepherd is not the craziest part of today's story. Now, being a shepherd, it's not the most glamorous job. You see, sheep, they stink. They don't smell good at all. And we spend a lot of our time out in the fields, so the job gets pretty lonely. There are always mountain cats and bears coming after the sheep, trying to attack them and take them. And sheep are so dumb that sometimes we can't save them all. And you know, that can be problematic because these sheep, they are central to all of Israel. Because we raise and protect the lambs who will one day be given as a sacrifice in the temple on behalf of the sins of Israel. And the lambs that are sacrificed, they have to be perfect, without blemish, which means that if something happens to even one of them, we are in trouble. 
Now, the irony of me being a temple shepherd is that I have never once set foot inside the temple where these sheep are sent to be sacrificed. You see, the priests and the religious leaders there, they say that we shepherds are unclean. Which, I mean, is not untrue, but it also means that I have never had the opportunity to set foot inside the place where they say that God's presence dwells. I have never been able to enter in with the rest of Israel and worship God together. It also means that I have never heard the priests read from the ancient scrolls. Of course, I know of the law of Moses and the prophets, and you don't have to have entered a synagogue in order to know that those scrolls foretell of a coming king. I've heard it said that this coming king will execute justice and righteousness in the land of Israel that he will bring peace to our nation and establish a new kingdom that lasts forever. You know, I've heard these priests whispering on the streets, and they have interpreted the scriptures to mean that the coming king is a warrior king. They have said that he will purge Jerusalem of sinners, He will destroy unrighteous rulers and overthrow unlawful nations. I find that a little bit hard to believe, though, because we have been living under Roman rule for longer than I have been alive. The Roman rulers, they are cruel. And their empire is expanding. So it's hard to imagine a day in my lifetime when they might be overthrown. It would take a miracle. Oh, speaking of miracles, it looks like my stew is just about ready. Okay. Oh, ow, hot. Oh, okay. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it has been almost two days since the last time I had a proper meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, there has been um, some excitement happening in our corner of Judea. And so food, it wasn't really a priority. But, um, mm, yeah, this is good. Mm. Two nights ago, it was a seemingly ordinary night, just like any other. I was scheduled to be on night watch with my brother. And you know, I hate night watch because my body was created to sleep when the sun sleeps. And so having to stay awake with the moon and the stars, well, that just feels unreasonable. Luckily for me, my brother doesn't mind doing night watch alone because I might have a bad habit of dozing off every now and then. 
Uh, so that's what I was doing. I was laying next to the fire. I was sort of halfway between this world and the world of dreams when all of a sudden a bright light appeared, brighter than anything that I had ever seen before. Do you know that feeling? When you're, you're falling asleep, you're almost asleep, and then it feels like you're falling, so you get jolted awake, your heart is racing, your body is sweating. How uncomfortable is it to be abruptly scared awake? And this was more terrifying than anything I had ever experienced. This light was blinding. I could not see anything. It's not like the sun where you can look down or turn away and receive a bit of relief from its scorching rays. No, this light was everywhere. It was all-encompassing. I couldn't tell where it was coming from. Was I somehow still asleep? Were, were we being attacked? Was the world as we knew it coming to an end? So the shepherds and I were all there, blinded and terrified, when suddenly, out of nowhere, a voice speaks. And again, I don't know where this voice is coming from. From the ground? From the skies? Is it somehow coming from inside of me? But the voice speaks, and it says, Fear not. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Do you not see the visible terror that is coursing through our bodies? And I think it's terror that's actually quite justified. But the voice continues on, somehow speaking with both authority and gentleness. And it says this, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Um, so I can't tell. Maybe it's these things that are on your faces that's throwing me off. But you do not look properly astonished. Because this is astounding. Okay, so let me explain to you why you need to be astounded right now. First of all, this glory that is all around us, you know, the lights and the voice and everything, it could only mean one thing. Right now, we shepherds are standing in the presence of an angel of the Lord. An angel of the Lord. Have any of you ever been in the presence of an angel of the Lord? I sure didn't think that I ever would. But here we were. A group of dirty, unclean shepherds standing in the presence of an angel of the Lord, receiving a message from the highest heavens, and I'm thinking to myself, this angel has made a mistake. Because, you know, I don't know what it is, but we shepherds are not considered the most trustworthy of folks. You know, people have called us unreliable and we're not even allowed to give testimony in court. Don't you think that God would want his angel to deliver this incredible message to someone a little more important? Someone with influence? A 
king or a priest or anyone other than some shepherds. But as I carefully considered the message that the angel brought, I began to understand. You see, the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Not just the people who are privileged enough to read the law. Not just the people with wealth or good social standing. This is good news of great joy for all the people. For the poor, for the sick, for the outcasts, for the shepherds. Maybe God sent his angels to lowly servants because he knew that we were the ones most ready to hear the message that this angel proclaimed. This was the message that we had been waiting on for 400 years. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Christ, the Messiah, God's anointed one, he's here. All my life, I have heard whispers of this coming warrior king who would overthrow our oppressors and establish justice in Israel. But then the angel continued and the angel said this, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. A manger? A feeding trough for animals? Shouldn't the coming king be born in a palace? Wrapped in the finest linens and laid down to sleep in a cradle made for royalty? You know, I'll admit that I haven't read the ancient scrolls myself, but I'm pretty sure that the priests were not expecting a baby in a manger. So, of course, this felt like it would be a good time for a Q&A session with the angel. Because believe you me, I had questions. Now, of course, that did not happen because just as suddenly the heavens burst open again and a crowd of angels, an army of angels filled the skies. There were too many of them for us to count. We were overwhelmed with fear and awe, but the sky, the air all around us, it was filled with this excitement. We could sense the giddiness and the delight of the angels. And then their voices rang out, singing praises like I had never heard before. Then slowly, one by one, the angels began to disappear, going back 
to the heavens that could not contain them. It was as though those angels knew that the message of the birth of the Savior had been proclaimed, and all they could do was respond with praise and proclamation. So then it was just us shepherds left alone in the field, and it was our turn to respond to this news of the birth of the Savior. And there was not a whole lot of deliberation. The decision was unanimous. Let us go into Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, that the Lord has made known to us. And you know, as crazy as it sounds, we did not for one moment question if the angels were real or doubt the message that they brought. Because sometimes you don't have to see something to believe that it's true or know that it's real. But the moment that we heard that the Messiah had been born, there was a deep longing in our hearts, a desire to go and see the Savior. Now at this point, you may be thinking that we were bad shepherds. Because not one of us thought of the sheep. No one volunteered to stay behind and watch over the flock. But if you were given the opportunity to go and meet with your Savior, wouldn't you do the same? Drop everything and run? Yes, we had a responsibility to care for the temple flock, and the responsibility was important. But what could be more important than going to sit in the presence of your Savior? So we ran into Bethlehem, disturbing the peace of an otherwise ordinary quiet night. But there was a problem. See, the instructions that the angel had given us, uh, they were a little bit vague. Go and find a baby in a manger. Uh, okay, how does one find a baby in a manger? So we had to go knocking. And remember, this was the middle of the night, and at this hour, usually the only people who are awake are the shepherds and the town drunks. So not everybody was particularly pleased to have us knocking on their doors. Uh, yes, hello. Uh, we are looking for a baby in a manger. Some angels just came and told us that he was born tonight. Also, he's Christ the Lord. So you can imagine that the response from the people of Bethlehem was varied. You know, there were a few people who slammed the door in our faces. Many people thought that we were crazy, and most people did not believe us. But there were a few who shared our excitement, who rejoiced that a Savior had been born in Bethlehem, and they wanted to know more, but of course, we first had to go and find the child. So finally, we came across an innkeeper who pointed us to a nearby cave. Earlier that night, a couple had gone in there because there was no place for them in the inn. 
And the innkeeper, he had noticed the roundness of the woman's belly. So he thought, well, maybe she's given birth to the one that you are looking for. This was it. We were about to go and meet the promised Savior, the one that we had been waiting for for 400 years, the coming warrior king who would overthrow our oppressors. And after the glory that we experienced with the angels out in the fields, well, I knew that we would meet something even more magnificent and incredible. Surely there would be vast hosts of angel armies around this place that the Savior had been born, guarding the entrance and celebrating and singing praises, making known that the long-awaited Savior had come. But there was nothing. No bright lights, no heavenly voices. You know, if the innkeeper hadn't pointed us directly to the cave, I would have walked right past it. But we got there and we went inside and it was, it was very dark in there. There was only a small fire lit and so we made our way a little closer and I saw that there was a woman there. Well, a girl. She was asleep, leaning against the man that I assumed to be her husband. And there, right beside them, was an old stone manger. I noticed that it was crumbling in different places. It didn't look very sturdy anymore. But there he was, a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, just as the angel had told us we would find. As we shuffled in closer, the man and the woman, they both opened their eyes, startled, Understandable, because here's this group of ragtag, dirty, sweaty, smelly shepherds infringing upon the home that they had made for the night, and they had a newborn baby to protect. But we began to tell them everything that had happened to us, almost exactly as I've just told you. We told them everything that the angels had said concerning the child, and they then recounted their own tales of encounters with angels and the names that they had given to this baby. Son of the Most High. Emmanuel, God with us. Son of God. Jesus. Could it be that after all these years of being denied entrance into the temple, the place where they say that God's presence dwells. I was now sitting in the very presence of the Son of God. As we sat, gathered in that dimly lit cave, watching the boy as he slept, listening to him breathe in and out, 
I began to understand why those angels had burst from heaven with excitement, praising God. Because the only appropriate response to the birth of Christ is praise and proclamation. So we worshiped Jesus as he lay in his humble bed, praising God for this long-awaited Savior. To praise is to boast in the Lord and all that he has done, and he had just done something more marvelous and wonderful than anyone could have ever imagined or anticipated. So, of course, we couldn't keep this news to ourselves. We ran back through to Bethlehem, glorifying and praising God for all that we had heard and seen. In the same way that those angels proclaimed the birth of Christ to us, we went and proclaimed the same to, to the people in Bethlehem and the surrounding regions. Now, I'll admit that our proclamation was probably not as awesome or heavenly as that of the angels. But God did not send his angel messengers to us so that we could keep the message to ourselves, so that we could go back to our field and hang out with the sheep. No, he gave it to us and we had a responsibility to go out to the people of Bethlehem and beyond and tell them this good news that the Savior had been born. And that's what we've been doing every hour for the last two days. But there are still people who haven't yet heard the name of Jesus, who don't yet know that the Savior has been born. And so even though we shepherds are the least qualified to do it, we will continue. We will go to Bethlehem, to Judea, and beyond, telling them the good news of great joy that is for all the people. Because the most appropriate response to the birth of Christ is praise and proclamation. Praise and proclamation. That reminds me of a psalm that my brothers taught me. They learned it from our parents who learned it from their parents. It's been said that this psalm was sung by King David himself. So let me recite it for you now. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Do you remember the last time I spoke to you more than 30 
years ago? I told you of the night when the angels came to us shepherds and told us that a Savior had been born. This was the Savior we had been waiting for, the coming warrior king. And so, of course, I wanted to know who this boy would grow to become. And so I followed him. For years, Jesus traveled throughout Judea and Samaria and Galilee. He taught about the kingdom of God and he performed more miracles than I could ever count. As I, I followed him, I noticed, I observed that Jesus, he gathered with the poor, with the sick, with the outcasts, and with the sinners. Jesus, he healed the sick, and he gave sight to the blind. But the religious leaders, they despised him. They despised Jesus and all that he did. So they came up with a scheme to rid the nation of Jesus of Nazareth. They plotted to kill him. This man that the angels had told me would be our savior, Christ the Lord. And those religious leaders, they did. Just after Passover, a few days ago, they arrested Jesus. They put him on trial. And they delivered him over to be crucified. The day that Jesus was born, the world was filled with light. But the day that he died, the world was overcome with darkness. There were no angels who burst forth from the heavens. Instead, my brothers and I, we gathered together and we mourned the loss of the Son of God. This man who was supposed to be our warrior king, who would overthrow Rome and establish peace and justice in the land of Israel. The Son of God they had killed we were so sure that he was the fulfillment of the promise we had been waiting on for 400 years. But it turns out, I didn't understand the promise until now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but in order to save the world. God did not send his son to save Israel from Rome. God sent his son to save the world from our sins. Those sheep that I spent my entire life raising they were sent to the temple as a sacrifice for the sins of Israel. But Jesus was the Lamb of God, sent to earth to die on a cross as a sacrifice for the sins of the entire world. 
Because those sheep that we sacrificed, they were never enough. They could never be enough. But Jesus' death on the cross, it was enough to save all people for all time. Because Jesus did not stay dead. Jesus died, and then after three days, he rose again, defeating death and the grave. Now, I still haven't read those ancient scrolls, so I don't understand all of it. But I have spent many years following Jesus and his disciples, listening to them as they teach, watching what they do, and I know this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The angel's proclamation all those years ago, it was right. On that day in the city of David, a savior was born to us who was Christ the Lord. That was the good news of great joy that was for all the people. The angels, they responded to it with praise and proclamation. We shepherds, we did the same. So what about you? How will you respond? And if it's not by praising and proclaiming the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, what's stopping you? Do you think you're not qualified? I was the least qualified. Are you too busy? Do you have other priorities? Other responsibilities that you think are more important? What could possibly be more important than proclaiming that the Savior has come? The most appropriate response to the birth of Christ and all that he has done is praise and proclamation. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to the Lord, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected 
with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.